Uh, This morning's reading is Psalm 65. It will appear on the screen behind me. Psalm 65. Praise awaits you, our God in Zion. To you our vows will be fulfilled. You who answered prayer, to you all people will come. When we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. Blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. You answer us with awesome and righteous deeds, God our Saviour, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the Father seas. Who formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength, who stilled the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, and the turmoil of the nations. The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders, where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. You care for the land and water it, you enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain, for so you have ordained it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty and your carts overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks and the valleys are mantled with grain. They shout for joy and sing. Uh, Good morning, everyone. Uh, My name's Jack, if I haven't met you before. I'm one of the pastors here at TCU. Um, Last week, we we started just a two-week kind of series, jumping into a couple of different psalms. We looked at Psalm chapter 19 last week and Psalm 65 this morning, as we just read out. Uh, We we returned from uh, from Summit Youth Camp last Sunday. Um, It it was a great camp. You might like to ask some of the youth... Uh, about it in between services if you bump into them and they were there. But recovery after a camp like that one, it can often be pretty long, like you can feel pretty tired. I don't know how your recovery from camps has gone in the past, but I thought my recovery from camp was going really well. Um, <clears throat> that was until I walked into a cafe, they asked me how my week was going. And I was like, it's been really great, it's been awesome, how beautiful is it today outside? What a great Tuesday it is today. And the person looked at me and they were like, mate, I'm glad you're having a great Tuesday, but for the rest of us, it's actually Wednesday. It's like, oh, okay. So recovery, it's taken, taken a little bit of time for me. But it was really, a really fantastic time away over the weekends uh, with Colonel Light Gardens, with Tonsley, as well as TCU Youth up at Zintari Campsite in Normanville. And while we were away, uh, we, we looked at a really big question together. We looked at this question, what is the chief end of humanity? What is our purpose as people who don't just exist, but as people who've been created? Now that question comes from something called the, uh, the, the uh, Westminster Shorter Catechism. Uh, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, it's a series of questions with answers designed to teach and help Christians to verbalise our beliefs and what the Bible teaches about God. And uh, just before all of your heads kind of start drooping onto your chest at the mention of the word catechism, it's the last time you'll hear in this sermon... Uh, but, but the answer to that question, what is the chief end of humanity, is this. It's to glorify God and to enjoy Him and to do so forever. To glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Now, when I opened up Psalm 65 this week and started reading it, um, I couldn't help but have that in the back of my mind. Because what does this psalm encourage in us as we read through it? Well, it's to glorify God. It's to come before Him in thanksgiving and praise and to express our delight in how he has so lovingly and graciously acted toward us. I want you to think of a time where uh, you've been given a gift by someone, 
uh, not just the gift that you were expecting to receive or that you told someone in advance that you wanted for Christmas or your birthday or something like that, but a gift that's just kind of perfectly suited to you, that has been given at a, a really good time. Uh, a gift that may have been uh, very small, maybe just a cup of coffee at the right time of the day or maybe some flowers at the right moment. Uh, but think about how those gifts make you feel. Think about that moment of delight that you kind of feel when you're, you're not actually focused on that small gift that's given, are you? Your, your attention's actually on the one who's given you that gift, the one who knows you so well to give you what you need in that moment. So this is what Psalm 65 does for us this morning. We're invited to delight in a wonderful gift giver and a wonderful gift. Yeah, the gift is not just a cup of coffee or some flowers, it's something far greater, but, but more than anything, we're invited in this psalm to delight in the one who is the gift giver, to praise him for who he is and how he has acted toward us. Uh, now, it's already the start of May. I don't know about you, but the, the year has shot forward really, really quickly, uh, and it's already left its mark, I know, for a lot of us. For some of us, it's kind of feeling like August somehow already, um, we're kind of waiting for 2023 to come along so we can try again. Yeah, this year has been really difficult for some of us. Uh, for others, this year has been a year to remember because of some of the amazing things that have happened during it. Uh, the year 2022 has seen some beautiful things arrive for us to be able to delight in and to enjoy as well. Uh, but wherever you're at this morning, I hope that together we can reflect on and accept the invitation to do three things. See, as this psalm lifts our eyes to the sovereign God of creation, who we worship, uh, I hope that we might hear the invitation to hope. That we might be able to voice joy, even in the trials of 2022 that we might be feeling right now. And that we would praise the God who is the great gift giver, the God who we can draw close to. Uh, there, there are three sections to this psalm that we're going to dig into together this morning. You can see on your outlines uh, that, there, that it says, Drawing close, the hope of all the ends of the earth, the perfect picture, and delighting in the gift giver. So, drawing close. Now, we aren't really given a context behind the psalm this morning. Um, there's no moment in history we know of that's really being captured here. Uh, but this psalm does sit at the start of a set of four psalms that all reflect on the way that God fulfills the promises that he makes, promises he makes to his people, even when his people aren't faithful to him. See, what is clear in just the first four verses that we read this morning is that this psalm um, recognises how God has acted so graciously toward people who don't actually deserve it, how God offers blessing instead of anger, satisfaction instead of judgment, and the psalmist is, is bursting with praise because of it. We read, and this should be on the screen behind me, Praise awaits you, our God in Zion. To you our vows will be fulfilled. You who answer prayer, to you all people will come. When we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. Blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. As I said, we're not, we're not really sure which event in history is being referred to in this psalm in relation to the transgressions of Israel that's being spoken about. Uh, but whichever it is, we know why it has come about. It's come about because of the Israelites' rejection of God and the special relationship they had with him as his people. Now, the, the imagery in this psalm of, of harvest, of the earth producing crops for the Israelites to enjoy in the later part of the psalm, uh, suggests that, that perhaps in Israel's rejection of God, they were no longer benefiting from the land that they were living in. 
uh, land that God had given to them, just as he said would happen if they lived as his people. But they were overwhelmed. They were overwhelmed because of sin. Another part of the Bible in a book called Deuteronomy, we read of God's call to the Israelites to be faithful in their relationship with him. In chapter 11 of Deuteronomy, we read that God had said to the Israelites, if you faithfully obey the commands that I'm giving you today to love the Lord your God, to serve him with all your heart, with all your soul, then I will send rain on your land in its season, both autumn and spring rains, so that you may gather in your grain new wine and oil. I will provide grass in the fields for your cattle and you will eat and be satisfied. But be careful or you will be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. Then the Lord's anger will burn against you. He will shut the heavens so that it will not rain and the grounds will yield no produce and you will soon perish from the good land the Lord is giving you. So you simply put, when the Israelites were in right relationship with God, they got to enjoy his provision, his blessing, what belongs to God and what he has to offer to them. When they were not in right relationship with God but pursued relationship with other gods, the gods of the nations around them, well, they got what those gods ultimately have to offer. Nothing. Nothing. They were cut off from God and his blessings, instead facing God's anger and his just judgment at their mistreatment of him. They experience what life being cut off from God looks like. And it's not good for anyone, the nations around them included. Actually, really, the Israelites were overwhelmed because of it, don't we? Overwhelmed by sin, cut off from God because of the way they've treated him and completely helpless to do anything about it. When we get to the New Testament, Paul helps us understand a little bit more what's going on behind this kind of rejection of God. In Romans 1.25, Paul writes, They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. They worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Now, none of us, if if we were to search our hearts honestly, can say that we haven't done the same thing to God. Our hearts get caught up in the things that we love. And love is a really, really good thing, isn't it? But what is not good is loving good things in the wrong way and orienting our lives around those things rather than the God who made them. We we shut him out when we love or worship the things he created more than the one who created them. Just as the Israelites had done to God countless times. If I were to ask you the question, what is your life oriented around or or toward right now, how would you answer that question? Could you answer it honestly? And is the answer God? For most of us, as we reflect on the week that has been, I think we can probably think of several instances where our hearts have not been oriented toward God, but toward something else, be it comforts or pleasure or relationships or sex or finances or something else. What, What is your life, your loves, your heart oriented toward right now. Well, the Israelites, they realise that they've been cut off from God because of their sin, because they're putting other things in his place as the object of their love, their worship. They were experiencing what God said would happen if they did this. They were cut off from the only one who offers what they need and the only one who can truly satisfy And so the only option left for the Israelites, having recognised the way they have been treating God, is to cry out to him in their brokenness, to ask for his forgiveness. Those other things I've turned to for satisfaction, they're not working, they're not doing anything. They're showing them how much they need God. They aren't offering what they're truly looking for, they aren't feeling the void that exists in their hearts, but are steering them further away from the one who can.
But when we read those, those amazing words, don't we? When we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. Blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. A translation I think hits home a little bit more is we will be satisfied with the good things of your house. The Israelites' relationship with God restored again as he forgives them. Again, they will know the blessing of living in right relationship with the God whose heart is for them. God chose to forgive them in their brokenness when they had absolutely nothing to offer to him. Uh, Now, this is a psalm that was written for the Israelites in a certain context, at a certain time in history, as they were led in saying it by their king, the one who who they followed. But I asked the question before, when you reflect on the week that has been, how would you answer that question? What is your life oriented around or toward right now? And for all of us, there are times we reflect on when we haven't followed God the way we're meant to. We read that line in in the first verse, to you our vows will be fulfilled. And we kind of think, I constantly fail in living rightly before God. So how can I honestly actually say those words this morning? Well, we can say it, not because of our own ability to live rightly before God, but because of the king that we trust in and the king we follow who can. The king through whom we too have forgiveness and are brought into right relationship with God forever. Now, For the Israelites back then, they turned away from God again. After this, they, they did not fulfill their vows to him. The land that God had given them was eventually taken away from the Israelites because they continued to reject God and turn away from him in sin. The kings of Israel at the head leading the way the whole time. See, the human condition on full display, the same problem that exists in our hearts existing for them. But, you know, before he was arrested and crucified, Jesus said to his disciples he had, he had troubled hearts. He said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. God's ultimate solution to the problem of sin was to send the king who could lead God's people back to him. Not just until they sin again, but forever. Sin having been dealt with. A room in in God's house. A place with God to enjoy him forever. Assured for those who trust in Jesus. The king who can and does fulfill the vows that we can't. The king who can lead us back to relationship with God so that this psalm of praise can belong to us in Jesus. Now God had set up a system for the Israelites in the Old Testament that meant he could dwell with them in the tabernacle, later the temple that was built. Uh, He dwelt with them in in the middle of their city uh, where payment for sin would be made in the sacrifice of animals. But these sacrifices, they never dealt with the problem, the deep root of sin that exists in our hearts. But we get to Hebrews chapter 10 verse 11 and we read this, should be on the screen. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest, meaning Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, meaning his own life given freely when he died on the cross, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool, because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. 
Jesus makes those who trust in him perfect before God's sight. No longer cut off from God because of sin, but able to draw near him in relationship. Awaiting that time when Jesus returns to bring us to the Father's house forever, never to be cut off from again. So he is the one who draws us close to God as the psalmist praises God for in this psalm. The great gift giver. Jesus gives us true everlasting life at the cost of his own. He is point to the hopes of all the ends of the earth. When the Israelites had had cried out to God to forgive them, he had answered them, we read, with awesome and righteous deeds. Now we don't know what those deeds were for the Israelites, but in Jesus we see God's answer to our problem, to the problem of the whole world. He is the hope of all the ends of the earth and the Father sees. The whole world is invited to come to this King, to our Saviour for hope in a world that seems in endless turmoil. See, at this point in the psalm, the psalmist is bursting with praise at the deeds and power of God over creation and over the nations around them. God brings peace where there is chaos. Verses 5 to 8, we read, You answer us with awesome and righteous deeds, God our Saviour, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas, who formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength, who stilled the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their ways, and the turmoil of the nations. The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders. Where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. The mountains towering around us, Formed by God himself, the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, stilled at a single word from God. Remember in Mark's Gospel a few weeks ago how we saw Jesus speak to a storm and it was still. And we read of the turmoil of the nations being stilled by God as well. See, this psalm points us to the reality of God's sovereignty even when we look around us and see chaos. God reigns above it and it will not keep us from him. It will not have the final word as much as the brokenness of the world is on display in what we see happening around us in some cases. God will still it. Chaos, evil in the world has not won. Jesus has triumphed over it already and it will not keep us from being in our Father's house fully satisfied for eternity in him. See, this is the fate we share with our King who has prepared a place for those who trust in him in his father's house. Uh, one of the things that we were encouraged to do on camp over the weekend by our guest speaker uh, was to get up early and watch the sunrise or, or to watch the sunset at the end of the day. In verse 8 this morning we read, The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders. Where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. And I wonder if, if this week you can set aside time to watch a sunrise or a sunset I watched, I watched a couple of sunsets while we were away in Normanville as, as the sun set over the ocean, over some hills there. And man, it was beautiful. It was amazing to watch. I know a few of our youth caught a sunrise as well and said the same. And now because they woke up early, because they stayed up all night, not 100% sure which is the case there, but they got to enjoy some sunrises as well. But watch the sunset this week or a sunrise. And while you do, set your mind on the God who made that unique once-off sunset. For the psalmist, where the evening fades, they remark on the awe of the whole earth at this wonder of God's creation, the joy that it brings. As you watch that sunset, reflect on the God who made it 
who shaped uh, the Adelaide hills around us, who set the beautiful stars in the sky that will start to appear and who is sovereign over it all. And when you start to feel small, remember God sees you and he wants you. He wants you with him. He looks at you and loves you and you will never be taken away from him. You are welcomed into his house forever. Um, Calvin in his commentary on Psalm 65 has this to say. He says, we are near him now, not because we came to him of ourselves, but because in Christ he has stretched out his hand as far as hell itself to reach us. I mean, look at that sunset and remember the God who made that, well, he's never going to let you go. Point three, the perfect picture. In verses 9 to 13, the psalmist praises God for the provision of the land that he's given to his people. That the streams of God that are filled with water to provide grain as God ordains it, who softens the ground with water, blesses its crops, whose provisions overflow with abundance. There are flocks covering the meadows, valleys mantled with grain, we read. Creation itself shouts for joy, it sings. The land reflects this covenant promise of God to his people of provision for those who are in right relationship with him. It's the perfect picture of a God who does not leave his people wanting more. Now in a world that is so chaotic and where we know there is famine and drought, I mean, how how are we meant to take these words and these verses? We see here we're reading of the provision of God to the Israelites thousands of years ago in accordance with his covenant promises to them and how they were to live in the land that he gave to them. But when we say this psalm in Christ, in Jesus, our eyes are fixed on a new covenant promised by God, a promise that's been assured through the flesh and blood of our Saviour in his death and in his resurrection. See, as we say this psalm, we see a picture being painted for us of what we know awaits when we are in our Father's house, when we are with him in the new creation. But it also causes to well up in us thankfulness for the provision that we do get to enjoy now, whenever food, whenever water passes our lips, or whenever we look at a sunrise or a sunset or the stars or creation around us. In the end of Revelation, we're given this beautiful picture of the new creation where one day we will be with God forever. And it's this beautiful, perfect picture. We read in Revelation chapter 21, it should be on the screen, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. In Revelation 22, the very next chapter, there's this picture of abundant life and provision given. We read, the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. You know, every bit of food or water that passes our lips has been provided for under the provision of the Creator and Sustainer of the world. But the 
one who has also ordained a time where the brokenness of this world will give way to a new creation where we will dwell with God into eternity, provided for, sustained, satisfied forever. This is the future we look forward to with God in anticipation, with a sure hope, knowing that this is what awaits us, the perfect picture forever with our God, the greatest gift giver, who's drawn us near to himself through Christ, never to be let go. And here's the gift giver that we can delight in starting now. The final point in your outlines, delighting in the gift giver. Well, in light of this psalm and how it helps us to to praise God, there are a few things I think for us to to try to build into this week that, that is ahead of us. The first is to actually come back to this psalm and to read it, to, re- to reflect on how we can say this psalm in Christ as the one through whom we have forgiveness of sin and through whom we can draw close to God. But, but set aside time to read this psalm, but, but do it in the morning or in the evening as you watch the sunrise or watch the sunset. Maybe like ask each other after the service, which night this week are you going to do this on? Maybe you can do it together. Read this psalm this week, watch a beautiful sunrise or sunset and reflect on the God who so abundantly provides for us in his son Jesus. Secondly, look at God's creation around you and remember the God who formed it. When you look over, when you see the Adelaide Hills, when you, when you look over, when you see the ocean, the stars, or the, the trees, well, remember how God formed the mountains by his power, how he stilled the raging seas, how he is sovereign over chaos and evil and praise him for it. Go for a walk sometime this week with this in mind to mull over it, to think about. When you go for that walk, look around you at God's creation and praise him. Thirdly, when you taste something, when you sit down to a meal, remember the God from whom that meal comes and know the hope of the new creation where we will never want for anything because our God will provide and praise him. Before dinner, thank him. I don't know about you, but sometimes in my household, a dinner prayer can go something like, thanks all for this food, our man. And then like piranhas, you kind of dig into the food and kind of gobble everything up. It's like a built-in thing that we kind of do, a habit for most of us. But actually take the time this week before your meals, just, just sit and think, actually thank God for his provision for you and how he has blessed us abundantly in his son. And fourthly and finally this week, Reflect on those times you turn away from God in sin and repent. Say sorry to God for that and know and remember that Christ's sacrifice once and for all has covered your sin and that God seeks to draw you close when you turn away. He wants you with him to turn back to him. Say sorry knowing that he forgives you. He loves you. He wants you with him. He draws us close to himself through his son never ever to let us go. So let's praise him, for he is worthy of our praise. I'm going to pray now to close. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you for who you are as a God of creation, as a creator of all things. Thank you that as we look out the window behind me, as we look out at the sky, at some trees, that we can remember that you are the God of creation. You are a God who's not distant, but you want us with you. And we praise you for this. We praise you for how you've made this possible through your son, Jesus, for us to draw close to you. We praise you for the forgiveness of our sin, Lord, and the life we have in Jesus' name. Please help us this week 
Uh, be mindful of those things that seek to turn us away from loving you and living how we ought to before you. Um, please help us repent of these times when they come along, always remembering your forgiveness of our sins, Lord, and the love that you have for us in your Son, Jesus. Amen.